Well, good morning. All right, come on. Before we start, I want to explain. Um, you're probably going to get out a little early for lunch because we had planned on, uh, we had a wonderful thing happen to the Coburns. And if you don't know Jonathan Christie, make sure you meet them. Um, but their adoption was final for Diana and Elijah. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we want to dedicate, yes. I love them. Jonathan and Christie are amazing. Am I on? Am I good? Can y'all hear me? Jonathan and Christie are amazing people, and it's just an expression of love. So we're going to probably dedicate these wonderful children next week. Christie's not feeling so well, so please keep her in your prayers. Uh, we want to pray for Christie to feel better. But that was one of the things that was going to take up some time earlier this morning. So I'm just throwing some stuff out there to stretch the service. No, I'm kidding. I wanted you to know and pray for Christie. Also, I need you to know that um, when the band practices together, we meet here at 9, and we try to practice from 9 to 10. Something happens from 10 o'clock to when we actually play. And I think it's probably meeting and greeting you beautiful people. We get distracted. We forget things. We can practice and look at each other and go, I got it. We can all say those words. Yeah, I got it. This is easy. We're done. And then 1030 girls around are like, what did we say we were going to do? Am I right? What were we? I don't know how to intro this song. Is it you? Is it me? So you know what? <laughs> Before y'all come to church from here on out, pray for the band that we just can have utilized recall and, and, and memory, you know, just pray for us. But no, band, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what you do. Singers, band, AV team. I know Nick had to fix like four or five things before we could even play this morning, so I want to thank uh, the AV team. We are in Luke 2. If you're not already there, make sure you turn to Luke 2. Our text isn't uh, vast because we talked last week about the big picture. Now, let me just kind of reemphasize some of the key points of last week. We started with the birth story in Luke 2. We learned about the people and the places and the events, the things that occurred that allowed uh, Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. And then we learned about the proclamation of the angel to the shepherds, and then what the multitude said. But we had to explore what these angels were saying because we couldn't fully grasp it until we researched the first chapter in John where we learned about the Word who has always existed coming in the flesh and the purpose for that Word coming in the flesh. You can't read John 1 and Luke 2. They go together. It's the big picture of what Christmas is all about. And if you got the theme from last week, and if you, or if you didn't get the theme, I'll make sure you get it today. It's Jesus Jesus, Jesus, the central object of our faith, Jesus, the birth story, Jesus, the reason and purpose for our salvation, Jesus. So let's look at Luke 2 together. Verse 11 is our verse. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is our verse for today. Now, this verse is profound. It's profound what the angels are telling these shepherds. Before we get started, I pulled, um, I didn't write everything, it was too vast, but I looked at titles and I looked at the key elements, the main ideas of several articles online, and they aren't, some aren't current, some are in the past, uh, you may remember some of these, but I pulled the main ideas out, and I just want to express these to you right now. Um, this is what the world would like to have happen. They would like no Christmas trees in public 
uh, decorated with angels. No Christmas trees with angels. Christmas carols need to be replaced by holiday songs, radio and in public. Santa Claus is the real symbol of Christmas. Merry Christmas replaced by happy holidays. I can remember teachers telling me not to say Merry Christmas. We say happy holidays instead. Um, here's a, here's some, oh, let's move Christ to Easter and make Christmas a secular holiday. No floats with sacred Christmas songs allowed in parade or in the parade because it may be offensive. Public school students told to substitute all religious words in Christmas carols, especially the word Jesus with secular words. Rewrite the songs, man. You can't say that. Taking Christ out of Christmas. For a believer, it is impossible to take Christ out of Christmas. For those who reject Christ, it is all that they can do to remove him. This is what we're up against. Don't tell me Merry Christmas. Christ is in Christmas. Yes, you are right. Christ is in Christmas. Folks, we are going to be the testimony to this gospel. And I have to share this before I get started. When we talk about the birth story, when we talk about the resurrection day, the death of Christ, what happened on the cross, everything you're presenting from birth to ascension, right, back to heaven, you are presenting the gospel. So the birth story is the gospel as well. So we saw last week that everything about this great and historic event revolves around who? Jesus Christ. And this, because of God's love for us. That's the whole reason Jesus is here, because it stemmed from God's love. So, dismissing Christ would be dismissing God's love. Okay? The angel proclaimed to the shepherd three titles. Three titles. I don't know if they fully grasped what they were hearing, but three titles. They identified him as Savior, Christ, and Lord. Nick, this, something's hot on this mic. Something's popping. I don't know if it's... I'm good? So, the incarnation... We, we began to speak about the incarnation, and this is very important because you've got to remember the shepherds are hearing three titles given to uh, the shepherds. They're hearing this from the angels. And the incarnation, of course, is God entering his created world, fully God, yet fully man, so that he could redeem which was lost. Now, this means because Jesus came to us, we now have a way to God. We have been saved. If you were to summarize what's happening as you look at this little child laying in a feeding trough made of wood or stone, lying in a manger as the shepherds approached, you would have to understand that what's happening here is Jesus came to us so that we would have a way to God. And that's gospel. So let's talk about Savior. The very first title is Savior. It also means Redeemer. Mary and Joseph had a clue. Okay, they had, they had help from uh, angelic beings. They were approached by angels prior to this birth, and they were told who this person would be. 
So they have a clue. The shepherds probably didn't have a clue. They probably, like I said, couldn't fully grasp that they were looking at God himself. The angels knew, though, didn't they? The angels knew exactly who they were looking at. That's why there were so many present. They wanted to see their God who created them, who they have served, who they have been messengers for, right? Who they have worshipped. Since the beginning, we don't even know the beginning of time, but for us, we know that time started, right? For them, they've always been to see these beings uh, uh, worshiping God as a creature. They're seeing God in the flesh, and they're going, you got to see this. He did it. They had to be blown away, but they were the only truly ones right now, other than Mary and Joseph, that understood, my goodness gracious, this is God himself lying in this manger. So they were looking at a human. Guess what, guys? He slept. He wept. He hungered. He thirsted. We know that he bled. He too was tempted from within, not from without. I mean, not from within, excuse me. He was tempted from without by Satan. He was never tempted from within. He felt a range of emotions, and he grew. We know that he was human. Why? Because from the child that the shepherds worshipped, he grew and developed into the man who would give his life for hours on the cross. See, I will say this again. You can't enjoy and celebrate Christmas without also looking to his death, right? His burial, his resurrection. You can't study and enjoy and worship the death, the burial, and the resurrection without coming first back to the birth. It's Jesus and in the entirety from birth to the ascension. And of course, he's in heaven interceding for us now. That's the gospel. So you can't take Christ out of Christmas. So let's look room. We're going to put them up. I'm going to shoot. I have a lot of Bible verses for support today, but they're all going up on the screen. I have many, many verses. So if you're taking notes, you're going to have to be quick. Romans 8.3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. We got the verse, guys? Romans 8.3. So what's happening here is this child who you can see, we all have seen our children born, all the beautiful features of this baby. That flesh, that flesh was condemned. All sin, the sin of the world would be placed on this flesh for you and I. That's what Romans 8 is saying. Colossians 1.22. Okay, Colossians 1.22. He is now reconciled his, in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He was fully human and he needed to be. Did you hear that? The reason this flesh was condemned is so that he could reconcile you and I and make us blameless above reproach before him so we could stand before just God. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. He had to be born under the law. This would require him to be human. See, we're trying to understand we know we need saving, but who is it that can save us? He had to be human. And guess what? Hebrews 9.22. 
takes it a bit further. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without uh, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So there had to be the shedding of blood, and Jesus also had to fulfill this requirement. So our Savior, as the, uh, the angels identified him to the shepherds, entered this world in human form, the Word becoming flesh. Acts 4.12. Why? And there is, no, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is our Savior. You have to understand something. This is not just a beautiful birth story. There's millions of birth stories that are amazing. This is a supernatural occurrence. This is a historic event that demolishes any other historical event. God entered this world, but what happened, and we sometimes forget this, he had to become flesh because he had to be born under the law. That can only be a human, and he had to be able to shed his blood. He had to be human. So we have this child in the flesh as our Savior, but he's also fully God. Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. And God was with us. He entered this world. Colossians 2.9, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now this is amazing. Again, you got to remember, they tried to find a place to have this baby. They needed privacy. There was no room anywhere. Do you have room in the inn? No. Is there a guest room? No. We do have some stables. Obviously, you need privacy. Do you want to have the baby there? Yeah, I'll, we'll go there and have the baby. So here comes the King of kings and Lords of Lords into this world and placed in a manger as the shepherds approach after getting this wonderful sign they described what to look for. They see this baby as like any other baby, wrapped in swaddling cloths. The only difference is he's lying in a manger, which signifies that this is the Savior. This is who the angels were talking about. And as we look at this baby, we have to realize something. This is you and I figuratively looking at him. I know we all have nativity scenes at home. We have to realize that that body of flesh is fully God. The fullness of deity dwells in him. This is what I don't think the shepherds fully grasped yet. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Not only, guys, with the shedding of human blood required, but the sacrifice had to be perfect. It had to be without blemish. There is no human that has ever been born in this world since the beginning of time that was perfect. So who could do it? If no human can do it, we're doomed. That's when God said, okay, I will do it. I'll do it. He stepped into this world becoming one of us, becoming a creature, becoming flesh. This is what's happening, but he never lost his godness. He was full on God just as he was fully man. First Peter 
1, 18 and 19 says this, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The Savior had to be both man, blood, born under the law, but he also had to be God. He had to be perfection. The sacrifice required perfection. And this is who we see lying in the manger. Our God, perfect in every way, taking on flesh so that he was born under the law and he could shed that precious blood. That's why we call it the precious blood of Christ. That's what's happening right now. Now, this is our Savior. Again, Jesus, he had to do this because he would be the ultimate sacrifice that would allow the sacrifice to be acceptable to a just God. We couldn't take our best human and say, God, this is the best we got. Will this do? It had to be perfection. That's our Savior. And this is, of course, the only way to God was Jesus being both man and God himself. The only way to God. Charles Spurgeon, <clears throat> as you can tell, I've been studying some of his stuff. He has a wonderful quote. He said, when the world had revolted against its maker and the creator had been defied by his own creatures, great gulf, a great gulf was opened up between God and man. The first coming of Christ was like a bridge. It was like a bridge, right, that crossed the chasm and made a way of access from God to man and then from man to God. Our Lord's second advent will make that bridge far broader until heaven shall come down to earth and ultimately earth shall go up to heaven. Folks, this is due to God's love in bringing us a Savior. And we go right back to Luke 2 to the birth story. That is amazing. That's our Savior. Now let's look at the next title the angels proclaimed. They proclaimed that he was Christ, Christos in the Greek. It means anointed one or chosen one. The Hebrew equivalent is you and I saying Messiah, which we see all throughout Scripture. The promised <clears throat> Messiah. So the anointing of a person in the Old Testament for service to God usually meant that oil was poured on their head, signifying that they were being set apart or consecrated for a particular service. However, one can be set apart and consecrated for service without the anointing of actual oil. It is true, at two different times, Jesus was anointed with oil by two different women. We see those stories in Scripture. But Jesus' true anointing came through the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit that indwells every single believer in this room. This is where He was set apart. So let me read this verse to you in Acts 10, 38. <clears throat> Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Luke records him, uh, Jesus reading from Isaiah 6. 
It says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, what? Anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Folks, Jesus is assigned the title of Christ, not because it's his last name, And yes, there are people in this world that think Christ is Jesus' last name. No, that's not it. It's because he is the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament. See, we have to understand, Scripture needs to be validated. We need to know what's real and what's true. And this does this for us. The prophecies about Jesus and the mount that was fulfilled, my goodness, what validation, what evidence. So, um, the prophet spoke about him, right? He fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies that were about him, where he'd be born. The virgin birth, right, in Bethlehem. In fact, parts of his life were prophesied, and all those came to be true. He fulfilled all Old Testament prophecies with this birth happening in Bethlehem. And now we have one that we're still waiting on, but we all are waiting on that one, aren't we? When he returns for us. He's promised us. If he's fulfilled everything else, folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he's got this one covered too. And this is what's happening in this birth story. So, um, let's, let me share this. Eight days after he was born, they presented him at the temple. They headed to Jerusalem, and they ran into a man named Simeon. I'm going to read this to you. Luke 25 and 26. It says this. This is from chapter 2, 25 and 26. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, that's powerful. This man, devout, He had a relationship with God. He was told, you are going to see the Christ before you die. And he did. He got to see the Lord's Christ. But here again, we have our Lord, Jesus, the Savior, being identified as the Christ. It's important to understand that he's the one fulfilling fulfilling prophecy. He's the one that they have prophesied about. He is the one that they told, spoke of for generations. And here he is. I love this. Luke 4.41. Hey, it wasn't only the angels. Luke 4.41. And demons also came out of many crying, you were the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. See, the demons, they were once angels. They knew who Jesus was. And they saw him here in the flesh. They identified him as the Christ, again, the coming one that was prophesied about, and it makes everything validated. It makes everything real. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right? He knew him. He identified him as the Christ. And you know, in Martha 2, in John eleven twenty seven, as Martha was speaking with Jesus, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. God was manifested in the Messiah. And you gotta remember, Thomas, remember after 
he rose from the dead? Thomas has stood there and he goes, my Lord and my God. He's identifying Jesus under these titles as well. So we have complete assurance in who Jesus says he was. And it's validated all throughout Scripture. It's all tied together. This is one gigantic love story. So, Jesus is the Savior. Amen to that. Jesus is the Christ. Amen to that. But he is also the Lord. Now, again, did the shepherds really grasp who this baby was in which the angels were proclaiming? Did they really get it? See, we know the angels knew who he was. We know that demons knew who he was, but did mankind know? And we're talking about the life of Christ as well here. I can safely say that no, the world did not recognize Emmanuel, that is God with us. And we can see today, oh, there are many, many who do not recognize this baby as God himself. They don't recognize him. Watching the movies, watching the TV shows, listening to the radio, shopping. You can hear Christmas songs played over the, the, the store speakers. Sometimes they're sacred, sometimes they're secular. But we're all in this season, and what is the purpose? What is the reason for this celebration of this season? And it's sad but true that this Jesus is dismissed. It's a cute baby laying in a manger. It's such a cute story. But it's so profound. It's so vast. All right. Is my mic doing something new? Y'all still hear me? Okay, I'm hearing weird things up here. Now, there's a last title. Savior Christ, there's a last title. They call Jesus Lord. Lord. This title is so much more than just showing respect and honor to somebody, as Lord was used in ancient times. Lord is equivalent to the God's name in the Old Testament, which we say Yahweh. That's what Lord is equivalent to. This is declaring Jesus' deity. You know, Thomas said, again, he said to him, right, when he saw the visible marks, he said, what? My Lord and my God. So which this means Jesus is Lord, means Jesus is God. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You don't give all authority on heaven to earth just to anybody. It's not coming to you or I. It's not coming to some great human that did wonderful things in the past or who will in the future. No, this is attributed to the Lord, who is the Christ, who is our Savior. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Stop for a second. Not only does he have all authority, Everything was created through him and for him. you got to remember, we're looking at a baby in a manger. Everything is held together by him, and he is before all things. This baby is special. 
You calling him the Lord and me reading these verses, I'm starting to see how special this is because it's God himself. John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I've always been. This birth is just not a natural occurrence. It's not a natural birth. I've always existed. John 6, 62. Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If he's ascending to where he was before, then he must have descended. And that, of course, is the Christmas story. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We know that only Jesus saves. That is the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And here it's saying, the name of the Lord. Again, identifying Jesus as Yahweh, God himself. Acts 16, 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Folks, Jesus is Lord, he is God. Now, I also have to read this. This is another thing written by Spurgeon because I love the way he brings it all together. It's so clearly written. Listen to this. You have only to read the Gospels and to look with willing eyes and you shall behold in Christ all that can possibly be seen of God. It is veiled in human flesh and it must be for the glory of God is not to be seen by us, absolutely. It is toned down to these dim eyes of ours, but the Godhead is there, the perfect Godhead in union with the perfect manhood of Christ Jesus, our Lord, to whom be glory forever and ever. So what did the angels say? They said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, right, they're, uh, the Christ, who is Christ the Lord. Now, this child that they beheld with their eyes was their Savior, he was their Christ, and he was their Lord. Now, the angels are giving them the true identity of who this child actually is, and that is amazing. Christ is everything. Christmas cannot be without Christ. And that's why I put in your bulletins, Christmas, right? How do you remove Christ from Christmas? Just look at the word and you cannot. And for a believer, it is absolutely impossible. He is everything. So Jesus came to redeem and make atonement as our Savior in his death. We know that. He was the promised one spoken of in scriptures by the prophets, the coming Messiah. We know that. He was God himself. He was the perfect and only sacrifice that could save you and me. And we know that. That's our beautiful, beautiful gospel right there. Glory to God in the highest for what he has done for us. This Christmas season, you and I, like I said in the beginning of this sermon, you and I are a testimony to this gospel message. Because, ladies and gentlemen, he came for us as Savior, Christ and Lord. He delivered us as Savior, Christ and Lord. And he will come back for us as Savior, Christ and Lord. Take Christ out of Christmas. It's impossible. And you are the walking and living testimony 
to this gospel. Let Jesus shine in you through your eyes, through your heart this season, because you know the truth of what's actually happening. This is why we celebrate. This is why we love the baby in the manger. We love the birth story. We love all the songs written about it. We love the scripture. We love it because it's gospel truth that God intervened in this world at a certain time to bring us and restore us back to him. And it had to be through a perfect sacrifice that was human. That is our Savior, Christ, and Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful to you for your love, first and foremost, because your love was the catalyst for everything that would save us. We didn't even know we needed saving, but Father, you knew. There was nothing that could be done. There was nothing that could be done. So you sent your son to us to die in place of the death that we'd be facing. He was condemned in the flesh. From birth, he was condemned in the flesh. Father, we thank you so much for your son. Because, Lord, we know, absolutely, we know, just like the angel said, that this, he is our Savior, and we are in need of one. He is the Christ, we are in need of one, and he is our Lord. Oh, how we desperately need our Lord. Father, we are grateful to you for what you've done for us. And this season, this wonderful Christmas season, reminds us all the more of just how truly, how much you love us. You truly love us. Because we see this in the expression of your love through Jesus Christ. Father, we want to right now just proclaim to you that we know that your son is the Savior, Christ and Lord. He is our Savior, Christ and Lord. We proclaim that, Lord. Each and every one of us, this church, Father, proclaims it. We thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made. We thank you for the abundant life you are giving us now. We thank you for the forgiven life that we are going to uh, receive our reward through, Father. We want to thank you for the eternal life that you're giving us. And it all starts with you intervening. It all starts with you entering this world in the flesh as Savior, Christ, and Lord. Praise God. We love you. We love you. Father, let us walk out of here today being a living testimony to who you are and what you've done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.